Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Latching Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, this is the first of two this week. It's game week. We're going to be bringing you two Lashing Out Podcasts now that Penn State season is underway. But first, before we get to that in the second segment, college football started with week zero over the weekend. And it sure didn't disappoint, even if you had to go across the pond and use a golden shillelagh to figure out who was playing. Yeah, I certainly feel bad for Navy fans who made the trip over to Ireland. I don't think they were expecting much more than that, but uh, Notre Dame put a good schlacking on the on the midshipmen in Dublin. Um, but hey, first game of the season, Notre Dame, a team that's chronically overrated, events, along with some other teams that we can mention, Florida State and LSU, we're looking at you, of chronically overrated every year. Um, so Notre Dame had something to prove, and uh, Sam Hartman in his uh, – 13th college football season, the luck of the Irish, setting all sorts of records, records based on a, being an accumulator of stats. Um, and then uh, Caleb Williams looks to be uh, coming catching for the Heisman. Yeah, you know, week zero is tough because there aren't very many great games. Obviously, the allure of Navy and, and Notre Dame playing in Dublin, I think, is incredible. I love that. Obviously, Penn State was able to, and fortunate enough to do that many, many years ago. Um, but there just aren't many great games the first few weeks of the season. You're playing non-conference games um, here and there, and there are a few sprinkled in, few conference games sprinkled in. But it's it's unfortunate, you know. Um, looking at the college football schedule, the games that I'm really excited for first week outside of you know, Penn State, West Virginia, uh, Robert Morris heads to Air Force. Got to represent the um, Barn the Barn. alma mater. Um, Boise State in Washington. Washington is, I think they're a sneaky top 10 team. You, know, you don't really think much about um, Washington. But then you've got, you know, Michigan, Sands Harbaugh going against East Carolina, Tennessee against Virginia. TCU against Colorado and Arkansas and Arkansas state and Oklahoma. Um, you've also got the urban Meyer cup um, on th- Thursday, actually um, with Florida and Utah, Utah is the team that's ranked and not Florida. And I find that to be very, very exciting. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the return of cam rising Let's see if he's healthy. I don't know if he's going to be playing the game. I, I, I think it's questionable. Uh, that's a Thursday night game. So the weekend comes early, holiday weekend. You get some Thursday games, and I believe it's the Sunday game. Yep, LSU, Florida State on ABC. That has a lot of implications, not just for week one. That has a lot of implications for the college football playoff. Those are two teams ranked really high, both chronically overrated, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, ironically, uh Brian Kelly is now at LSU and being chronically overrated there versus being at Notre Dame and being chronically overrated. Uh, But I think Florida state's the real deal this year. Joe and I talked about that last week that, I mean, their quarterback whose name escapes me currently. uh, Yeah. um, Top pick for the Heisman. He's my sleeper pick for the Heisman. And I think, that's a team to watch in the ACC. Jordan Travis, there's his name. Uh, that's the team to watch in the ACC. I think Clemson ultimately wins the ACC. But if Florida State wins 
against LSU. That's a team that starts getting some mojo. And I think the matchup with Clemson's week four or week five and uh, the ACC could be exciting to watch. Yeah. And we get Clemson and Duke um, early on Monday as well, which is, you know, they obviously don't play a lot on Mondays, but yeah, that, you know, Brian Kelly went from Catholic to Cajun and um, you know, that's a wild ride, but at the same time, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's tough being in a situation where you're playing a big game and we're going to talk a a lot more about the structure of schedules here later on um, in the podcast, because um, James uh, from state college's best friend, Pat from Pittsburgh had something, um, something to say about uh, James and company um, on Pittsburgh radio on Tuesday. So we're going to talk about that in the way, way, way in the future, but it's a beauty of, you know, this is where teams are making money. This is where teams are, the mid-majors are, are making what's going to be something that can subsidize their athletic department. So it's important for that. It's important for teams like Penn State to see what they're up against. You know, last year they played Purdue first week. That's a tough, that's a tough sell on the road in the conference game one. That's not easy because you're not putting together everything yet. Now they've got West Virginia. Um, that's still not – it's not an easy opponent by any means. Um, Big 12 team, and at the same time, you know, there's there's a lot at stake now for so many teams early in the season. You you look at that LSU-Florida State game. One of those teams is going to start with a loss, and that's, that is incredibly tough to, to bat – to factor in there when you look later in the schedule. Yeah, and West Virginia was what five and seven last year. They're still a team without a starting quarterback. Uh, I believe Green is leading the way for. Technically, neither team has a starting quarterback. I, I was going to leave that to you to be segue to segment two, but you took the you took the bait early, man. Uh, our our good buddy Devin Carter came coming up from NC State initially announced his decision to come to Penn State. Ultimately, went to West Virginia. Uh, that's a team that is heavily reliant on the transfer portal, but. That's all or nothing game, man. If if you whiff, that that team is, has the capability of being really bad. Or if you're Pat McAfee, you see him winning the national championship. Uh, I I have them somewhere as uh, barely being bowl eligible this year, and I I don't think um I don't think it's going to be a problem for Penn State. But there's there's two Big Ten matchups this week to watch out for if you're itching for some just Big Ten football. Ohio State is on the road in Indiana. And then you have the bottom dwellers bowl of Northwestern and Rutgers on Sunday. Oh, noon Eastern on CBS. And that's right. And and we're going to talk about that when we come back here in the second segment, but it's Penn state breaks in NBC, um, which has primarily been used for Notre Dame football, but now it's going to be Penn state, West Virginia, big 10 Saturday night. We're going to talk about it here in the second segment. When we get back from this quick break on the Navy sports now network. Podcast and the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, uh, the country roads are leading to Happy Valley this weekend as as West Virginia makes a, a little bit shorter of a trip than say you know to Stillwater or Norman, Oklahoma, uh, which which is always always a plus for them. Um, but this is a matchup that we haven't seen since 1992. Kevin, I am 32 years old. 
I was two years old the last time, not even two years old the last time these teams played. I don't know much about these teams um, as far as that is concerned, but it does feel like a good thing that they're playing once again. Yes, in a time of college football where regional rivalries and regional conferences are quickly on the out. Um, sounds like Penn State is reviving a regional rivalry. And, you know, I think it's good for college football to get that regional those regional rivalries going. Um, unless the opposing coach just wants to take shots across the bow while hiding behind his, like, pillow fort. But, um, yeah, it's good to see West Virginia coming back to town. It's good to see that rivalry renewed. And... There's a couple big storylines coming in. Your stitch is going to be calling plays from the booth. How are you feeling about that? Um, as as somebody that's spent a lot of time in the in the booth, I think you see the game a little bit differently, um, and I think you can anticipate a little bit more because you see how defenses are set up a little bit better than, say, when you're on the sidelines and relying on people upstairs. But now you can see it yourself, and I think that's going to be an added advantage. Um, for them. And I think that's very, very important. Um, so I, you know, I kind of look at it that way. Um, it's a little bit different, but at the same time, I think it's a very good opportunity for him to get up there, see it. And I, and there's a lot of commotion on the, on the sidelines. So you can kind of get away from that a little bit, but, but see the game a little bit differently up, upstairs. Yeah. I like it. Um, Daniel O'Brien's going to be down on the sidelines as the quarterbacks coach. Drew Aller probably has a much better relationship. He's working more consistently with Daniel O'Brien than he is with Mike Yurcich. I don't think it's a bad. I don't think that it's saying that their relationship is strained in any way. But Daniel O'Brien probably just has a better way of talking to him. And Yurcich is definitely going to be more effective when he can watch the defense develop and how are they setting up. What are the, what is their sub rotation looking like? I I think it's. I, I think it's a great move from a guy who has struggled in game. Both Franklin and Yursich have struggled in game on offense, making those tough decisions. It just gives him more information that he actually gets to see with his eyes versus just, just coming in through his ears. And I, I, I just think it's a net benefit. Um, and it's not like he can't get on the phone and talk to Drew and coach him up and ha- do whatever he wants to. You know what I mean? Danny mm-hmm. O'Brien's still down there. Franklin's still down there. There are phones to get from the booth to the sideline. I think it's just it'll help Yursich be more effective and Drew Aller can still be just as effective as he needs to be. I think this also shows a lot of trust in Drew Aller. Um, he understands the offense. He knows the offense. So he doesn't have to be getting those tedious little points of what he missed uh, on this read or that read or, or those sorts of things. So that, I think, um, is pretty important. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is a good thing. I don't. I don't think this is a bad thing whatsoever. Um, but it's just one of those coaching things that you kind of, why, but it makes sense. It makes sense for all involved. Um, and, and this, what better year to start it? I mean, it's a brand new quarterback, brand new, um, kind of dynamic on offense with Aller, uh, compared to Sean Clifford. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how, how everything develops for the, for the new Lions, especially game one. Hopefully it helps Penn State to avoid that offensive lull that they seem to go through. You know what I mean? They come out and it's just flat, dead, and it just takes them a long time to actually get processing to what the defense is doing and how to get the game going. Maybe this is the turning point, though. Maybe the offense can start coming out hot. Maybe if they don't come out hot the first drive, they at least can make adjustments by drive two versus drive three, four, five, and you're not 
you're not starting the game down seven nothing or fourteen nothing as the defense maybe just comes out a little bit slow. So you kind of bail out the defense on the start and then keep them fresh, you're fresh, and you're rolling. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is you just see so much more from up there. You're very narrow and what you're able to see from the sidelines compared to upstairs. You can see who's subbing in when. And not, and not, it's not saying that they don't already have guys that do that up in the booth, but when you're limited to, to however many people can actually coach, I think it makes sense for him to be up there and make the best calls against the Mountaineers on Saturday. But what's, you know, we talk about these regional rivalries, right? And I think, in all honesty, with the the, the way that things are trending, they're going to have to come back because teams like Penn State, they can afford it, right? They can go to USC and UCLA and all those teams. But there are going to be other schools like a Rutgers, like, you know, even in Indiana, that probably it, it might stretch them a little bit more than than another team. So I think what's important for Penn State is to bring back a, a game against West West Virginia. If even if you had to do a two for one or or whatever, and just make it's it's gonna be infinitely cheaper. You're still gonna fill it up. But if you're it's early in the game, you're gonna get Buku Bucks because it's gonna be a primetime game on a national network. It certainly is. And um the regional rivalries, it, the finances are gonna come to are going to come to a head. We talked about, you know, they're going to have to come back for the smaller sports because it's just not going to be economically feasible. You ship a baseball and softball teams. And I think Pac-12 has already said that like water polo is going to stay regional because they're, it, I think it's a Pac-12 sport, but they're going to break it off from the Pac-12 sport or like Penn state men's volleyball is not in the big 10. So that's going to stay pretty regional. And yeah, the smaller college football programs who can't afford to pay, Idaho to come in and get their butt whooped for a million dollars every year. Uh, there's something's going to have to give because yeah, you're right. The Rutgers is not going to be able to pay to ship consistently to UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon. Yeah. And it's not football and basketball that these teams are worried about as these schools need to be worried about. It's the other schools. Um, so you maybe you start to package those kind of deals in uh, and, and see how that goes. But as far as, uh, West Virginia. Um, this is a this is a series that has been very, 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 very one sided. Uh, with Penn State winning forty eight of the matchups against the Mountaineers to nine wins uh, for West Virginia, and then two ties. Um, so yes, very, very one sided in this rivalry. Even though um, I barely remember them playing, uh, and by barely, I don't. Uh, because I was only a baby. Uh, and Kevin, I would be hard-pressed to imagine that you weren't even around back then. I was not. I was not around yet. I'm only 28. All right. State College weather on Saturday, a high of 80, but it's a 7.30 p.m. kick, which means it's a 57-degree overnight low. That's the one we care about. Chance of rain between 7 and 6%. Thank you, weather.com. FanDuel has the spread at 20 and a half in Penn State's favor with an over under of 50 and a half. Jared Prugar, a final score prediction from you. Uh, 49-13, Penn State. All right, so over and beat the spread. I bet somebody early this year, I uh, bet a good friend, 41 to 17 in favor of Penn State. But after looking at West Virginia's offense, I don't know if even 10 points is possible for that offense against this defense. So I'm going to go 
41-9. Kevin will keep track of these numbers, uh, and then whoever has the better record at the end of the season um, gets dinner from the loser. Oh, I guess I just bet the under. I hate football. I hate entertainment. Jeez Louise. What a mistake. I'm already down week one. It's all good. But we're going to talk a little bit more about some things that um, a certain Pat coach from Pittsburgh mentioned on a local radio station um, in the Steel City when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Navy Sports Town Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Indy Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. There are a few things greater than Pat Narduzzi just calling James Franklin out out of the blue. Um, but on Tuesday, we certainly got that. He was asked, and let's, let's set the stage here. Um, Pat Narduzzi was asked about why Pitt and Penn State don't play, which is a typical question. Very much comment fodder for literally everybody in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Outside of the Commonwealth, I don't think anybody much cares uh, about that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, And his answer was, you'd have to ask James Franklin. My call is, let's go. We've called. We've asked. Um, So, Pat has called. James Franklin has not gotten back to him, it seems. This... And I think the debate is whether this is good for both teams. It is great for the Commonwealth. Don't get me wrong. It's incredible. Uh, I think it's great for the state. But at the same time, it's tough. Penn State's schedule is not easy when they get to their big Big Ten conference, uh, Big Ten conference play. Now, the ACC doesn't have that issue for for Pitt. So they're looking for challenging games that can help them. Uh, And this is much like West Virginia. West Virginia doesn't have a lot to lose on Saturday. But if they play Penn State close, it's going to look a lot different for Neil Brown's Mountaineers team than it would be for Penn State for letting them be close um, in the game. But if I'm them, I don't think that it's feasible on Penn State's end to do a one and like a home and home every every year um and and the reason why is if i'm penn state you can make more money having hosting home games like you even if you pay a million dollars to delaware or whoever then you're still making that money back and then some by having that game at pitt obviously that money is going to be even higher right the tailgating is for 80 dollars uh, a spot in the in the lots. I mean, you're making a, a, a crap ton of money just in that, and that's not even the gate revenue. Um, so you would rather host another home game rather than go on the road, even if it is only to Pittsburgh. Yeah, let let's not let Pat Narduzzi have his fun without facts. Penn State wanted a two to one ratio. They wanted three games, two at home at Beaver Stadium, and one at Heinz Field. Pitt averages 54,700 fans a week in 2022. Penn State's home attendance record is 107,379. Pitt two years ago was at 42,5, and the year before in 2021 was 45,3. 
So Penn State would give Pitt half of ticket sales for Beaver Stadium, which would be more money than a single home game combined at Heinz Field. It's 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 Akershire Stadium now. Excuse Kevin. me, it's Akershire Stadium. Either way, it's not their own damn building. Build your own damn building. Build a sixty. Nowhere to build it. They had that. They had that, and now there's nowhere to build it in Oakland. Build a sixty-eight thousand stadium or seventy-five thousand seat stadium. Try to figure out how to fill the damn thing, and then Penn State will come knock it. It's all it is, and Pitt just wants to blab their mouth. Talking about how good they are in the ACC. They've made, what, one conference championship game? Granted, Penn State's only made one, too. But they've got the toughest division in college football besides the two in the SEC. Like, Big Ten East is way more challenging than either division in the ACC. It's been Clemson and nobody else in the ACC. Except for except the one for the year Pitt. Except won. for the one year Pitt won. But did they win that conference championship game? I can't remember. Yes. Yes, because that was Kenny Pickett. Oh, that was the fake slide, fake slide bullshit. Yes. But but that's the thing. So a two for one makes sense on Penn State's end. And on Pitt's end. And yeah. on Pitt's end because they get 55,000 seats in revenue. Because you're finally going to fill it up. I remember I for the first matchup, I the Pitt won, I did have season tickets. I sat right beside the band, and it was not a great experience. Mainly because I was hungover. This was before I started in my writing journey. Um, or no, I did not get credentialed for that game. So that was the last game that I ever tailgated. Um, ironically enough. But but yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't a great situation for me there. But yeah, I mean it, it, I think and I said this I my major at in college at Robert Morris was sport management. And one of the classes we we were athletic directors and we had to come up with a schedule. And I had Pitt and West Virginia on the schedule every year for Penn State. And they were like, they would never do that. And I was like, yeah, you're right, but they should. And they should because it's a great set of matchups, um, logistically speaking. Um, but also, if you do a two-and-one if you're Penn State, I think it, it, it benefits everybody. Um, next year, Penn State is in Morgantown. I think that's going to be a crazy atmosphere. I don't know how many couches are going to be burning. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's great for college football and it's great for this, just this, this tri-state area. Right. And, and with the way travel is going to have to be soon, I think you take, you know, the opportunity to, to make money and, and spend a little bit less as far as travel, like for West Virginia to come to university park, that's only a three hour trip if you're not paying for tolls. So it's a really solid, trip for those guys now will that continue to happen i don't know but there's a lot of stubbornness uh in college coaching and i think we see that all the time now because neither of these teams have released quarterbacks um for these games we all know that it's probably going to be drew aller unless he steps off the bus and rolls an ankle i most likely it's going to be him but it doesn't doesn't do a service to anybody if you're not putting them um, if you're putting them on the depth chart without, without needing to. Yeah. My only thing is I remember I was still a student in the 2016 game and word got around to the student body, like, like in my friend group over the summer that pit season tickets were cheaper than the aftermarket single tickets. Yes, they were to, to go to just the Penn state game. Like you could make the 
crappy donation to the Pitt Alumni Association, and that's why I didn't do it because just on principle of donating to Pitt Alumni Association, and then buy your season tickets, and it would have been cheaper than buying the aftermarket Pitt Penn State tickets alone. Mm-hmm. So that just tells you the state of that program. Yes, is it better for regional rivalries? Yeah, but I mean, Pat Narduzzi's just taking shots at everybody. He's talking about how Christian VU was in a one-word offense. Like, what the hell did Mike Yersich have to do with this? It's They haven't played since 2019. And that's the thing. Every offense is different, but a one-word offense is just – they are run, they're running gun. They are up-tempo. Of course, there are going to be fewer words. That's just common sense. But his issue is he's always – and 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 he, he plays the game super well. So does James Franklin. James Franklin plays the game, but he plays boosters. He plays it with big money. Pat Narduzzi does it with opponents because that's all he's got. He plays um, it on FM radio, which no one freaking listens to anymore. That's and, not true, Kevin. People clown. were listening to me on the radio Friday night as I announced, as I was the color commentary for a high school football game. I know it because at least three people said I did an okay job, and one of them, and none of them were my mother. But your mother did say it was okay. Um, and Andrew Philipponi, who listens to who listens to the Pony Express. Not a well, damn yeah, person. Not course, a damn person. Of course, it was the PM team on the on the ninety three seven the fan. But at the same time, he's going to play that up. If you if you are in the media and you talk to Pat Narduzzi and you just you're just ready for clicks, you just lob it up. How do you feel about Penn State and James Franklin? That's and he the, gets he cracks open a cold one and goes right to town. And I the, and I it's always the same him. thing. I never he went hear- after Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders doesn't know who the hell Pat Narduzzi is. No it's one cr- in the country knows who Pat Narduzzi is because the only time they ever make waves is when he talks shit about Penn State. But that's the thing. You know, you have to kind of enjoy it. And it is it is very entertaining it is. Uh, because it gives us podcast fodder. But I would like to see them play. I know that it's not always realistic. Um, and I'm sure if they took some ego out, there'd be a way to find it, like, to find a happy medium. But personally, what I would rather see is Penn State play St. Francis or Robert Morris for a non-conference schedule. Um, I want an ACC rotation. Let's get the Big Ten ACC challenge. So that was one of the things I think earlier last week was the alliance. The Big Ten, Pac-12 alliance, I think, celebrated a birthday. And that didn't end up well at all. It ended up with the Big Ten poaching the Pac-12. I mean, Penn State hasn't played Clemson in however, however long. Yeah, I, w- I remember when Alabama, when they did a home and home with Alabama, how incredible that was. Yeah, after it was right after the sanctions, right? So yes. the teams were not great. The Penn State teams were not great, but I mean, the Auburn home and that home was when AJ ex- McCarron, I think, played for Alabama at the time. Yeah, like Auburn, the Auburn home and home was great. Like oh I don't want to, I don't want to be tied down to just one rivalry. If Penn Penn State played two times every five years. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, I think there should be when you when you're developing the schedule, there should be at least a power five, whether it's a Big 12 or an ACC game in each of those. And I think in each season, I, and I think that's only going to strengthen the schedule when it comes to playoff time. Oh, look, they're not afraid to go out and play. And that and that should happen for every team. But it's only going to mean more money because everybody looks at the schedule and they're like, oh, OK, Oklahoma's on the schedule. That's phenomenal. That's more money. That's tickets instead of sixty-five bucks, it's seventy-five bucks or eighty-five bucks, you know. And that's and you get to go to a place like that. And I think that ends up being a little bit more special of an experience. Hell, let's go down to the George Dome. 
I don't think a Big Ten team has played in the Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl. Oregon went over there with Bo Nix one year. Uh, I guess it was last year or the year before. No yeah. no Big Ten team's gone down to Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl. Let's get Did an you SEC. just call it the Chick-fil-A bowl? The, the Kick-fil-A bowl. There you go. That's free marketing for Chick-fil-A. Um, yeah, let's get a big ACC. Let's do a Clemson. Clemson, Penn State at Georgia Dome. Alabama, Penn State at the Georgia Dome. Let's get somebody in there. Let's go big. One power no, five. Ten one power five a year. Yep. Um, but as far as programming goes, we will have um a podcast on we'll be recording Sunday to talk about the game. Um, just because it's gonna be a little bit later than usual. Um, and then we'll have that out on Monday, and then we will record later next week and preview Delaware and the Blue Hens once we get through Saturday night on NBC. Kevin, any parting shots before we go? That one one word offense putting fifty five points or fifty one points down Pat Narduzzi's throat was was pretty pretty poetic. You know that's fair. I love he's a poet, Pat Pat the poet. But at the same time, Kevin, I got two words. Well, three. It's go time. Penn State, West Virginia, slated for seven thirty kickoff. On Saturday at Beaver Stadium, it's about time, and I cannot wait. For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Pruger on the Latching Out Podcast on the Nate Sports Down Network. We'll catch you again later this week.